This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with Alan Peterson, the Executive Director for the Compassionate Friends. Hi, Alan. How are you doing, Heidi? It's an honor to be co-hosting another radio program with you today. Thanks for letting me fill in when the fantastic, wonderful Dr. Gloria Horsley is off on safari. Uh, I get to fill in, or when you're not there, I get to work with her. But we've done a lot of radio and television programs together for Open to Hope in conjunction with the Compassionate Friends. And all with all of our shows with the same thing in mind, Heidi, is to give people a better understanding of what they're experiencing when they go through grief and loss. And also to give people tools that they can use to help themselves and those that they love who are going through grief and loss. But most importantly is we offer hope. We want people to uh, learn that there is hope when uh, when uh, we are going through grief. So it's fun to do these shows together. We've got an interesting show today. I would say today's show is unique for you and I and all of the radio and television we have done today because we're going to talk about Chippy Chipmunk today. And I am excited about that. And people are probably wondering what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> but we're going to have a fun show today and we're going to learn a lot, aren't we? Absolutely. And... We are going to talk a lot. We are going to talk about Chippy Chipmunk because we're going to talk about children in grief. And I know that there's yeah. so many parents and adults out there that want to know how to help kids. And this is the show that you need to watch and to listen to and refer your friends to the show because I love this book. And we're going to talk with Kathy Miller today about this book and about ways that you can talk to kids about grief. So let me yeah, introduce... Yeah, it is. It's important. It's a... a, a it's a fear. Many of us, we don't know, you know, a lot of us, at times we're grieving. We don't know how to help our children in grief. Uh, and I, I think that the work she's doing is a great way to help children understand the grieving process uh, at their level. So I'm excited what she has to say. So um, you want to introduce our guest? Sure, I'd love to. So as you said, our topic today is Chippy Chipmunk Deals with Loss. So and our, and our guest is Kathy Miller. Kathy is an award-winning author and photographer of the Chippy Chipmunk picture series, um, picture series books. Her latest book is Chippy Chipmunk Friends in the Garden, helps children who and helps children who are grieving. After Kathy lost her mother, she found comfort and healing in nature photography. Her book uses nature and a delicately woven storyline to open a dialogue on loss, and she does a fabulous job. Uh, welcome to the show, Kathy. Well, thank you for having me on. So this is a gorgeous book. I love all the photos, and I love the theme. And can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to writing this book? Yeah, initially, as you mentioned in the introduction, after my mother passed, I had extreme grief, and I found that my interest in photography was a great diversion from that. So when you're hyper-focused on a bird or a butterfly or something particularly with nature photography and things that are moving. Um, it was a great diversion for me. So 
But my initial book wasn't actually about grief. It was just about the life of this chipmunk. But I did imagine that my mom had sent him to me to cheer me up because he just happened to pop up at the front step of my house Mm. after she was gone. And so I kind of always had framed it that way in my mind. You know, it seemed to help me to think of it that way. So I chronicled the life of this little chipmunk, Chippy, that was living at the front step of my house. And he really had a character and personality and was expressing a lot of emotion. So it became a natural story, just sort of a day in his life. So he would um, come to your door, a little chipmunk? Or? Well, he he burrowed his home on, under the front step of my house. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So cute. And if a chipmunk is in your yard and they get used to you, they don't fear you. And so I was able to, you know, be 12 feet away and, and get some good pictures of, give you a glimpse of his life. Um a, a sequel followed a couple of years later when there was a, a mother that had babies, and that seemed like a natural follow-up. But then a friend of mine who uses the Chip, Chippy Chipmunk books in her practice as a child play therapist, she said, you know, kids love Chippy. He's expressive. Well, why don't you have him dealing with something that's hard for kids? So my first two thoughts would be bullying or, or loss. And because of my experience with the connection of nature as a healer, Loss seemed a natural way to go, and and almost I immediately had ideas in my mind of how nature can heal. So it was a, an easier issue than bullying. And uh, it, I'm not a, I'm not an expert on grief, though. So what I needed to do was pull in some experts. So I had librarians, school guidance counselors, um, professional therapists, and sort of assembled a team to say what's really important, what do we want kids to know and see. So choices of things like an image of Chippy crying, we have the words under there that, you know, the rabbit cried and Chippy cried too when they lost their friend, so that kids will see that they cried. It it was a very interesting exchange to decide on wording of the books because in other books I had seen on grief, you might just have a picture to show an emotion of, of of the character, but not actually say they cried. Mm-hmm. But in this case, when the counselor said, we want kids to know it's okay to cry, then we're going to say he cried, Chippy cried. So, so. so what happens is Chippy has a best friend, Pickle, who's, is it a metal vole? Is that how you say it? Yeah, it's a metal vole. Oh, the metal vole looks like, it looks kind of like a little mouse. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, the only thing I know in New York City are rats, mice, and pigeons, right? So, <laughs> and that's my reference. But, um, so they're friends, and then all of a sudden one day you can't find Pickle, right? Chippy right. can't find Pickle. And even the choice of, mm-hmm. of course, the name Pickle Keeps It Light, I couldn't have a chipmunk pass away. That would be too traumatic because mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. love chipmunks. So I specifically chose a vole as something that not many kids identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, the, and of course I don't show anything, but I do show that a fox, you know, had had snatched his prey is the, is the way that I word it. Um, and we show that Chippy, again, we want to validate feelings that kids may have and the fear that something's going to happen to them or, you know, if they lost a parent, well, maybe the other parent is something will happen to. So, Yeah, well, Alan, I, sure- I liked that you did that. You, you kind of yeah. had that fear of, okay, someone has died, maybe somebody else is going to die because so often kids have that fear. Mm-hmm. It's such a normal thing, and you, you, you normalized a lot of what, what goes on with kids, like you said. Right. 
I mean, I have him worrying about dying, too. And, of course, we tried to lighten it up with some other dialogue around that. I'm going to have to watch out for that fox. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, people had said it. That was an important thing to, to validate that fear. And, and then I also show um, friends trying to help because when I decided to do loss, I had to decide, well, who's, who's he going to lose? And I had a friend that's a teacher who had lost a student in her class to a fire, and she was really at a loss to find resources for her little second and third graders. So I felt like that wasn't a, it's not a loss covered a lot in a book, the loss of a friend. And I was thinking of that classroom situation when I have him losing a friend and then showing how his friends can help. You know, his friends don't know what to say, but we start gathering food and they're, uh, for their friend and offering to play and, you know, just doing, uh, and then, of course, the, the memorializing together of their friend that passed. They commemorate their little friend Pickle at his favorite hangout in the garden and share memories and so on. Well, I love this because a lot of times, you know, educators and other professionals in the community after a loss will come to me and they'll say, Heidi, we want to know how to get children to start talking about the death maybe of a classmate without it being too traumatizing. And I said, start in a metaphor. And what I mean by that is start with animal. Start with talking about animals. Start with something that's a little more, a less threatening. Like start, ask anyone if they've ever had a pet die, if they ever had a fish die. Start right. with something like a fish and then move your way up. Because it is less, it's, kids will talk openly oftentimes about these kind of things. And I love how you bring it up. And I like the back of this because you have note to parents and note to educators. Right. So, and again, they were they were not authored by me, but authored by professionals in the field so that they can speak to their peers and have, um, uh, you know, expertise in what they're, what they're suggesting. So the counselor says, you know, what, just one of her little easy-to-remember things with kids is every day gets better. And she says she's had kids come up to her and say, you were right. You know, it's something easy for them to hold on to and remember. Um, I, for me, too, as a nature photographer, I was trying to make some connections of, of things in... Well, I get a lot of stories from adults that I meet with spiritual connections to things upon a death. Maybe if a cardinal was hanging out until the father passed and that was always his favorite bird and magically they're appearing for days after he passes, you know, this sort of story. But I thought, well, with kids, to make this more concrete, I show that the snowy owls find it helps them to imagine things are sent to them from up beyond the clouds. And up beyond the clouds is my way of for a school setting without having any kind of religion specifically in the book as a way to uh, depict where where they go if a child would ask. And then, of course, families at home can add in their own religious beliefs into that up-beyond-the-cloud meaning. Um, but that's yeah, been right. a helpful link. Uh, I've had a dad say, oh, you know, thank you for when my wife died and he's got little ones, he said, we look at the moon, and that's Mama Moon. Mm-hmm. And so nature can heal in that way because of the beauty that's there in rainbows or or even something symbolic. I, in the story I tried to set up um, that his friend always wanted to fly like an eagle, and so he makes this wish, and at the end I have this cloud shaped like an eagle mm-hmm. that floated yeah. by, and yeah. he just smiles at it, But and I don't give any other text with that, but I kids get that. 
Yeah, I, I, what I loved about the book, Kathy, and actually Heidi really did read me the whole book uh, <laughs> before we went on it. I actually was ready for bedtime after she read it to me because I was, Aww. I loved it so much. But really, on a serious note, what I, what you have done here, and you're right, finding resources for children that are that are appropriate, but that really deal with the subject is you've really taken some of the key points that we you know, that we understand about grief and loss. You know, you talk about the, you know, the crying, and then you you, you talk about, um, you know, the fear of, you know, that, that you're, someone else you love is going to die or that that you might die. But I love toward the end of the book because ritual is very important, and I love the way they gather at this place and they tell, um, you know, stories and, and that you talk about that the love, lives on so what's what's beautiful about it is in this is in the short little book and in this story you've compacted really some of the most important elements of what we would recommend to people that they're going to experience and what the grief experience is like like and i think you did a masterful job of it and heidi you're a psychologist uh you feel the same way don't you absolutely it's it's a great way to start opening up dialogue and communication as you're saying, Alan, and also it's there's a lot of education in here, and there's a lot of normalizing, and I think those things are really important, and, and you do it really well, and you do it through all these little characters like Chippy, which mm. I think is, is really, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's also a great book for, like I said, educators, because there are a lot of deaths in classrooms, and people don't know how to get the topic going, and parents often don't know how. So what would you say to parents that are that are uncomfortable talking to their children about maybe the death of a brother or sister because they're afraid that they're going to upset their, their surviving child? Well, the, the book is a way of, if the adult is struggling for words, mm-hmm. simply reading through the story, the child will usually make comments or ask questions. And at the end, there is a, a page where they can extend one of the diagrams of looking for these hearts and pictures to draw a memory themselves so that that just doing the artwork can can stir a story so um, I, I, I find a, lo- a lot of the testimonials I've gotten back have been where uh, the adults were at a loss like the kids seem to be handling things better than the adults so mm-hmm. at minimum they can just literally read the story if they're at a loss for their own words and that and that can help well, you're making a good point. Families can come together and read this together, and it starts the dialogue between parents and children around the loss. And right. I think that's really, really key because even children as siblings, and, and I'm a brief sibling, and, and what I would do often is not talk to my parents because I didn't want to upset them and I didn't want to bother them and make them more sad. And if I had had something like this, to sit down and kind of read, and we could have talked about it kind of like I said again in a metaphor, I think it could have opened up dialogue both ways between parents and their kids. Right. Yeah, and I've, I've even experienced where um, when there's been a death in a classroom or you see something on the news with a sort of a tragic shooting or something in a home, and then it's, it's just all the worse um, to deal with that situation in the school because kids are scared about what happened and so on. Um, I found if I can reach out fast enough, all they they were able to use it as a read aloud in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so even on a larger scale, 
as long as the grief counselor is present to do the reading and manage a positive discussion about their friend that, that perished, um, you know, after the reading, it's, it's actually worked that way as a way for schools to heal. But, you know, they usually want to handle everything the week after there's been the loss, and so timing's important. But I've had situations where I've driven, you know, two hours to deliver a case of books over the weekend so that they have this resource on Monday just by by donating. And the interesting thing with that is when I sign the book to to that child in the classroom in memory of the one that passed, the interesting connection, and it was my intention in this, is that when there had been darkness in the loss, that the light was that the author reached out in a, in a warm way to offer healing to the child, and that gesture has meant as much as the book itself. So that's been a, I don't know, just... So it sounds like it's helped you heal, too, with the death of your mother. Yeah, and sharing that, I've, I've done some grief camps presentations in the summer where I talk about how photography has helped me with my loss, and then we do an activity together on how they could maybe memorialize somebody that they lost in a story or in a page of a book or in some way, either in the picture that they choose or in the writing. Well, I love that idea for people to make their yeah. own books. Yeah. I do too. And you know, I, um, I've done a workshop for many years. I'm a, um, songwriter and have been my whole life. And, and the value of creativity in grief, you know, it, it, it can be huge. I think there's something about when the heart and the, the mind and the hands put together something. And that's probably why photography, photography was such a good respite for you, Kathy. Um, but what I really love about this is, is that it, it looks like you said this is a subject I'm going to tackle or next is going to be lost, and it kind of took you on a path of, of really touching a lot of lives, maybe in ways that did it surprise you what the book has done and, and how it has touched people, because it clearly is, is helping people in their grief. Is it, did it surprise you, or what's your response then to how, how what people's reception has been of the book? Yeah, um, it, it. I did feel like I tried to pull in experts to make sure that it was done well and that it would be a healing book. Um, but, but yeah, there were some of the responses just really bring you to tears because of people sure. who share their individual stories of how it might have helped a particular child, or somebody will meet me at a book signing and have me sign a book and they'll be winking at me because the little girl that they're I'm signing for has just lost her mother or something and it's it's put me in situations where I need to offer con, you know condolences on the spot with some of the people little ones that I'm signing for um so that was all of some situations I hadn't anticipated being in and then the use the use of it in a classroom setting uh was something that I wasn't sure about until we actually Know, tested it that way that it could be instrumental so uh, absolutely if I do nothing more in my life I will feel <laughs> a sense of yeah. accomplishment from having produced this book on loss because I can't imagine a more important topic and, yeah. and it looks like it got a mom's work. choice award Alan it got a mom's choice award honoring excellence it, it sh- and it should I'll, I'll tell you that's the one thing about working in the grief thing and what I love about it is the lives that we touch, you know, when we just reach out and tell us tell our own story uh, right. and share it with a friend, we, we, we just don't realize 
how that can resonate in the lives that it can touch. So, Kathy, because we're getting down there on time, how do people get get your book? Well, it's really available through any um, book company. So if you have an independent bookstore in your town, they may need to special order it, but it's available through all book channels, online or brick and mortar. Uh, I also have a website, chippychipmuck.com. If somebody would want me to personally inscribe a message to somebody, then, you know, that's, you can get that through my website. So it's called Perfect. Chippy Chippy Chipmunk Friends in the Garden by Kathy M. Miller, and your website is chippychipmunk.com. Right. So thank you so much, Kathy, and I love the idea that those we, we love live forever in our hearts because we certainly know that, don't we, Alan? Absolutely. So thank you. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show today, Kathy, and... Thank you from the Compassionate Friends and the Open to Hope Foundation for listening to our show today, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.